Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Well, Lakers fans, the worst news is off the table. Anthony Davis' Achilles is not ruptured, but he will miss some time. And that is where we start on today's Hoopball Lakers podcast, Solo Ride with your main man, Ethan, here, only on the Hoopball Lakers podcast. Of course, if you're not already a subscriber, make sure you change that, subscribe, and like that show. That's how we continue to grow. But let's keep it into focus, and let's get right into the nitty-gritty, which is all about AD. Now, an AD went down in a loss to Denver, and he grabbed the back of that ankle, that back heel area, and he limped to the free throw line, and he limped to the locker room. Everybody was ready to deliver the instant reaction. The late season is over. How are they going to replace Anthony Davis? He's not going to play again this year. And all of these just unbelievably exaggerated hot takes because that is what we have become as a society, ladies and gentlemen. We have become a basic caricature of ourselves where just because we get instant information, we think we have to have an instant opinion and it has to be binary, black, white, up, down, left, right. The truth is, my friends, life is all in the gray matter, or at least 90% of it. So we learned today that Anthony Davis will be re-evaluated in two to three weeks after suffering a calf strain, and he is unlikely to return to the lineup prior to the March 5th through 10th All-Star break Sources told Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. It is forever and always going to be weird that Woj is at ESPN and not at Yahoo Sports, but that's my own sort of thing to get over. Look, AD missed two games with the right Achilles tendinosis, right? Basically tendinitis in his Achilles, soreness, aggravation, et cetera, et cetera. And the MRI that he had after the game revealed the calf strain and the aggravation of that Achilles injury, but no rupture, no tear, This is good news, okay? Let me tell you why it's good news. One, it could have meant season over for AD and potentially for the Lakers, despite the plethora of talent on the roster. Two, the timing of this particular injury, if AD is going to miss an extended period of time, now it's key to say reevaluated in two to three weeks does not mean he'll be back in two to three weeks. If I were a betting man, and occasionally I am, I would say you're looking probably more likely in that four to five week window. This was already something that they were acting conservatively with prior to the MRI, which revealed the calf strain. It's all connected. And I don't know about you, but every time I look at AD and watch him gallop up and down the court, he's like a gazelle. That is one long, big dude. So when everything's connected, you got to make sure it's as right as possible. The Lakers are not playing for the regular season. The Lakers are playing for another championship, but they will continue to be conservative, especially with Anthony Davis injury history, which has not been much of a conversation during his Lakers tenure until right now. And some people are going to say, well, why did they bring him back at all? He should have continued to be sitting. I'm sorry. He was absolutely dominant in in his return, 35 points. He looked dominant prior to aggravating it yesterday. These kinds of things 
happen. Okay, it's unfortunate. We don't like it, but it happened. So now what do the Lakers do? Of course, as soon as Anthony Davis went down, we knew that they were going to lose the game against them. Okay, this 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 was obvious. It sucked the air out of the team. They were already struggling even before that. And to be quite frank, that's a tough team to play, especially on the road. Okay, regardless of their record, it's always tough to play in Denver. But now the Lakers enter into a stretch of their schedule for the rest of the month where they're playing the Timberwolves, they're playing the Nets, the Wizards, the Jazz, the Blazers, and the Warriors. With all due respect to all of those teams except the Nets and Jazz, the Lakers should be able to beat any one of those teams without Anthony Davis on the floor. Okay? So that takes us all the way through the month of February and right up into that All-Star break. So if you're worried about the Lakers dropping dramatically in the standings, I wouldn't be. Two, this is something they have to get in front of now. This is why the Lakers built their roster the way that they did. They built it with increased depth, real true NBA depth that's playable in the event that one of their stars was going to miss a stretch of the season, whether by choice or by force majeure, meaning that they were going to have to do it due to injury. As it stands right now, the Lakers could absolutely find themselves in a worse spot. They could be in a tougher part of the schedule. They could be in an earlier part of the season. Right now, if Anthony Davis is going to miss a stretch of time, this is an okay stretch to miss, assuming that it gives him the time to heal and assuming that he will be ready to go on or around when the action resumes in the middle of March or toward the end of March. The two games the Lakers have on the schedule in March, by the way, before that break, versus the Suns, versus the Kings. Again, not games the Lakers should need Anthony Davis for, but you know how it goes. The bigger concern for this Lakers team Okay, this is the team concern, not the player concern. But the bigger concern for this Lakers team is their roster has been dramatically redone since the end of last season. We know that. And yes, they have continued to be effective defensively. We know that despite the different composition and despite the, the differences in the stylistic way in which they're going about. It, okay, but Anthony Davis is their anchor defensively. He is that guy defensively. This is my concern for the Lakers, because you take Anthony Davis off the floor, not only do the Lakers lose size, which is important, okay, but they lose their best defender by a mile, and it's not even close. So this increases the tax on LeBron on both sides of the court. This means those role players are going to have to play their roles more consistently. The good news is we've seen Kyle Kuzma playing much, much better basketball over the last several years. We've seen Montrez Harrell has been effective in most spots. Although with teams against size, he can struggle there too. So I think you're looking at more Kyle Kuzma. I think you're looking at more Montrez Harrell. But you're also looking at Markeith Morris returning to the rotation. You're also looking at more Taylor Horton Tucker. Listen, guys, Kyle Kuzma has been nothing short of spectacular in February. And I will take his crashing of the boards, his doing things besides scoring, and his contributions on both ends of the court over his improved three-point shooting because during this stretch of February where he is rebounding better, he's actually scoring better, and defensively he's been better, his three-point field goal percentage is down. It's just below 30% for the month. But his field goal percentage overall is up. And it's not because he's taking fewer threes. It's because he's being more aggressive. He's getting to the foul line a little bit more, although he's not exactly making them. Of 1.6 per game right now, making about half of them. We need to see some improvement there. But Kuzma looks ready to take on this accelerated or exaggerated role in AD's absence because now he's learned how to do some of those very important little things consistently. And now he can go back 
to what he is more familiar with, which is that I'm looking for my own production, my own offense. And the Lakers have the ball. Now, I'm going to be curious to see how he balances those two, because it's one thing to embrace the new at the expense of the former. It's another thing to embrace the new and integrate it with the former. So we'll see how that goes for Kyle Kuzma. But overall, I have been encouraged by the level of play that he has demonstrated during this month. Montrez stands for the uh, sort of performance against the Nuggets at three straight positive games. He's not rebounding the ball as much as I would like to see from him. Okay, that's that's just one little area from him that I'd like to see improve. He was 7.1 with the Clippers last season. I'd like to see that number come up. He's only at 6.3 on the season for the Lakers. But Montrez Harrell takes a bigger role. I am curious, very curious as a matter of fact, to see how this impacts Mark Gasol. Because Mark Gasol, I think Mark Gasol has value. I think he's a great team defender. I think he can stretch the floor, even if it's just in theory instead of in, in practicality and in reality. But Mark Gasol, he's clearly lost a step, okay? We knew that before he came to the Lakers. He is shooting an abysmal, abysmal 38.7% from the floor. He's only taking three shots per game, and most of them are threes, okay? He's shooting 32% from the, from the three-point line. It's respectable enough. But I'm most interested in the playing time, okay? Because he's actually averaging fewer minutes than he did in the postseason with Toronto during their run in the bubble. Okay, his minutes are down to 19 and a half per game. I would think that that number has to come up, even if it's just a little bit, because you can't keep rolling with Kuzma, Keith, and Trez in the front court forever. So I'm curious to see how that impacts Mark Gasol. And in terms of the market, right, the Lakers aren't exactly rich with trade chips. In fact, I would argue their only true trade chip in terms of the size of his contract and the value because he's been playing better is Kyle Kuzma, who's a player you need for the current. So for those people who are out there saying the Lakers should go after this guy, go after that guy, right? Let's take that off the table because if Anthony Davis' season were over, and again, thankfully it's not, then you have a different conversation of should the Lakers sell Kuzma, THT, and whatever else they can package to bring in another star, right? Because they can't take a backseat at this point. They're pedal to the metal all the way in. But because that's not the case, I'm in favor of continuity and continuing with this group. This group is more than good enough to maintain the momentum until the return, okay? There's more than enough talent. There's more than enough production. And there should be more than enough depth on this roster. So that conversation is off the table. But how the Lakers choose to play, I think, is going to be largely dependent upon their opponent. Now, we got the news today that the Pistons are going to sit Blake Griffin until they can trade him. Good luck with that. Or buy him out, more likely. And the same news we got from Andre Drummond. The writing was on the wall in both of these situations. Griffin probably a little bit more obvious than Drummond. But as soon as Jarrett Allen was acquired by the Cleveland Cavaliers and a surprise move in terms of the James Harden trade, right? Because nobody expected Cleveland to be involved in every in any part of that. But the fact that Jared Allen came in there, especially in a contract year, and Drummond also being in a contract year, you knew that this was a matter of when, not if. Was it going to be sooner or later? Well, now we've reached that point with Drummond. He is sitting indefinitely until the Cavs can find a taker for him. Now, if I'm any team, the Lakers or anyone else that has even the mildest interest in Andre Drummond or Blake Griffin, I call that bluff. And I say, look, 
Good luck trading him. He's on a monster contract. He has little to no value league-wide because of how much money you have to send out and how much money you have to take in for either of these guys. So if you can get a deal, come back and talk to me about it. But otherwise, I'm just going to wait for you to buy him out. Okay. I will say that I think Drummond is more tradable than Blake. I will never say there's any such thing as an untradable contract anymore because that was supposed to be John Wall, that was supposed to be Russell Westbrook, that was supposed to be many before them and many thereafter. Okay. So that doesn't exist. But I do think a Drummond trade is probably easier to facilitate than a Blake trade because at least some of the things Drummond still does can help teams, okay? When he's engaged, he's a solid rebounder. He's a big body around the rim. He can block shots. I wouldn't call him a great defender, but he offers that rim protection, something the Lakers in particular have not have, have not had and will not have unless they bring in somebody from the outside, uh, with the exception of AD, obviously, when he's healthy enough to be on the court. So Drummond, in terms of the two, right, Drummond or Blake, Blake, unfortunately, has become just a shell of himself. I mean, the guy is... Basically a three-point shooter in the corner. He, Although he looked good against the Lakers because the Lakers allowed him to look good, he has really, really struggled this year. We we, we saw the decline happening even before the trade to uh, Detroit. And since he's been in Detroit, and I understand why Detroit made the trade when they did. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I understand it. But since he's been in Detroit, man, Blake has just looked lost. I mean, the re- his first go-around with Detroit was decent right i mean his first season with detroit was actually pretty decent 24 and a half points seven and a half rebounds five and a half assists like those are monster blake numbers okay but going back to last year 18 games for blake shot 35.2 percent from the field including 24.3 percent from downtown when he averaged more than six attempts per game and then this year when he's on the court only 36.5 percent overall shooting 31.5 from behind the three-point line, so a little better. He's still taking more than six per game, so it's really not there. Not rebounding the basketball. He is facilitating a little bit, so I'll give him that much, but he's not rebounding the basketball. He doesn't offer you much in the way of defense. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm not too interested in Blake Griffin for the Lakers. The, the name value is greater than the game value. Whereas when you look at Andre Drummond, again, I'm not saying if all things are equal, right? I am not saying the Lakers are an Andre Drummond away from being forever and always the favorite, right? With a healthy AD and the rest of the complement of stars. But when he's engaged, he can be effective. I mean, the guy has averaged double-digit rebounds every year since 2016-17, okay? 2016-17, every year with the exception of his first uh, eight games in Cleveland, right? Eight games, 8.1. But the dude is a rebounding monster. He can block shots. He can steal the basketball. It's something the Lakers don't have. So between those two guys, Drummond is the much more obvious fit. But I don't think it's likely because I think Drummond can be had in a trade. And I think there will be a team that's interested in acquiring those services via trade to sort of undercut the buyout market or be proactive in advance of the buyout market. So the Lakers find themselves in a situation where AD is on the sidelines. 
There is not a clear answer, but it's not the worst case scenario, okay? And when you look at overall where the Lakers are in the standings and you really start to think about it, okay? Because when you're looking at the projected playoff standings for the Western Conference, right now, if the season ended today, the Lakers are the two spot, right? They're a game and a half behind Utah. And that's obviously going to remain fluid. They're a game in front of the Clippers, two games in front of Phoenix, and everybody's sort of stacked there with them. But if the Lakers go on a three-game losing streak, you know, God forbid here, and those teams underneath them go on a three-game winning streak or win two out of three, well, then that's when things start to get a little bit more interesting just because the Western Conference is so stacked with talent. I mean, you're looking at an eight-seed Warriors team that's a game above 500. The Lakers are 14 games above 500 after losing to Denver. But again, a three-game losing streak can change that very quickly. All said and done, Lakers fans were holding their breath. They were vexing. They were caterwauling. They were being hyperbolic. Everybody was because I know Anthony Davis, Lakers, injury, it sells. I have to tell you one of my absolute favorite things about being out of the NBA journalism world on a full-time basis is that not everything is newsworthy, okay? And let's sometimes wait to have the fullest information before we deliver our opinions because there's nothing worse than an opinion that's based on partial information. That's what people say they hate, yet they do it constantly. So let's be consistent in how we deliver our opinions. Let's be consistent upon how we digest news. We don't always have to have an instant reaction. In fact, we should take the time to really think about it, really digest the information and move forward from there accordingly. So now that we have the information, we know that it's a calf strain. We know it's not a tear, okay? We know it's not something greater. The Lakers will be conservative. We know that. I mean, Woj sits here and writes that even prior to the MRI, Davis and general manager Rob Palinka and agent Rich Paul discussed taking their time in returning Davis to the lineup. Okay? This is a collaborative effort. This isn't just a Lakers decision. This isn't just an AD decision. This isn't just a one-person decision. It's a collaborative decision-making group, and it's clear they're all in it together for the benefit of the team and the benefit of the player. And remember, there is a long-term marriage between Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers. So in the event that the Lakers have to hold AD out for longer than we're even talking about, right, to reevaluate it in two to three weeks, probably looking more like four to five weeks until he returns. We're talking about mid-March to late March here or so. Even if the Lakers have to wait until the first week in April, something catastrophic, and I mean catastrophic, would have to happen for the Lakers to realistically fall out of the playoff picture, okay? In an era that's not going to have fans in the majority of arenas this year, who cares about playoff seeding? Who cares? The Lakers shouldn't. They're playing for a title, not to hoist the regular season trophy, okay? Let me say that again. The Lakers are playing for a title, not to hoist the regular season trophy. So stick with me here in terms of what the ultimate goal is. You need your best players on the court when you compete for that Larry O'Brien. And obviously, Anthony Davis is one of the two most important men on the Lakers. Now, against teams where the Lakers can go smaller, I would expect to see more THT. I would expect to see even more Alex Caruso, possibly, because there are certain lineups in which the Lakers can get away with that. They're going to have to get creative defensively on the perimeter in order to stop the constant penetration to the rim, and that's where Caruso and THT in particular will be very helpful. Now, I think Markeith Morris, if you're running out to pick up Markeith Morris on your fantasy roster because, oh my God, AD's hurt, I think you might be disappointed because, yes, he's going to stretch the floor, and yes, he's going to find himself back in the rotation, but he's not guaranteed any sort of significant style of a role here. The starting lineup, I say for last because this is the most fascinating part to me, 
The easiest move is to just put Kuzma in because you know it's going to be a long-term play, right? In terms of AD isn't just going to miss one or two games. We saw that when he sat for a couple games that Kuzma was in with the starting five for one and Keith was in for the other. So it's not just an experimentation. This is a longer-term period of time. So the easiest solution is to slide Kuzma in. But should the Lakers want to keep Kuzma in that bench role, given how he has adjusted, given how he has played, that's where the larger question comes in. And do you start Trez alongside Marcus Gasol? I'd have a hard time believing the Lakers would do that, but it's an option. Do you start Markeith Morris and have him play the first six minutes before Kuzma comes on? That's also an option. Or do you get really weird and start very small with Marcus Gasol in the middle, but then basically play four wings and a, or excuse me, three wings and a point guard around him? Four wings if we're saying LeBron is the point guard, right? But Tudor's in that starting lineup, so a point guard and three wings, okay? I think it's probably going to be Kuzma. It makes the most sense given the two to three weeks reevaluation and probably another two or three weeks on the other side of that timeline until AD is prepared to return and feeling healthy enough and ready to return, cleared medically, all those good things. So we shall see how it transpires. But ultimately, the Lakers dodged a massive bullet here. The Lakers as an organization have to be exhaling. You knew that if it was going to be worse, that it would have been known before the day after, right? I can't help but think of any player, in particular Kobe, when he tore his Achilles, and everybody knew right away, right? When you have that injury, it is clear, it is diagnosed, we know. The fact that it was not diagnosed, the fact that Anthony Davis talked to the media after the game and said, look, I aggravated it, it's going to take some time, but I'm going to be okay. This, these were signs for optimism, not doom and gloom and nightmare situations. So I know what sells on Twitter, but I'm here to tell you all, relax, calmate, relajate and just keep it moving, okay? The Lakers are going to be okay. It sucks that AD is going to miss significant time. We love watching him play basketball. At the end of the day, you have to find joy in what you do, and this is what we do when we watch basketball. We digest it. We love it and all of that stuff. But the Lakers are going to be okay, ladies and gentlemen. So here on the Hoopball Lakers podcast, we're not going to freak out. We are going to be concerned, but we're not going to freak out, and we're going to look forward to more Lakers basketball. And this gives role players, last piece for me on this one, give some of these role players a chance to develop the continuity that when their number is called upon AD's return, and hopefully they will be able to harness and hopefully they'll be able to deliver in those money moments. Okay. AD's going to miss some time, but the Lakers are going to be okay. Thank you for riding along with Ethan on the solo edition of the Hoopball Lakers podcast. You follow me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff. Follow our show on Twitter as well at Hoopball Lakers and the whole Hoopball family at Hoopball Tweets at Hoopball Fantasy. Until next time, Laker Nation, we out. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.